uh, I think with an interdisciplinary disciplinary that word the whole time, <laughs> um, program you can still have choice and flexibility to move where you like afterwards so you, you may have come in saying this is what I love and you do parts of that but it may change your life in a way because you, you opened up to all these new thoughts and everything like that which would send you in a direction you weren't expected Listening to the podcast Advancing Sustainable Solutions, where we make sustainability research meaningful for the everyday person. This podcast is produced by the IIEE at Lund University. This episode is hosted by Stephen Curtis and Sophie Sundin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another season of Advancing Sustainable Solutions. How exciting. Yeah, we're really excited to be back for another season of interesting content and research to help you and all of us navigate how to advance sustainable solutions in our everyday lives. My name is Stephen Curtis. My name is Sophie Sandin. And we are the co-hosts for the podcast Advancing Sustainable Solutions, a IIEE podcast. Now, what is the IIEE? Well, we are the International Institute for Industrial Environmental Economics here at Lund University. We are international, interdisciplinary, and we're dedicated in both our activities of research and teaching to advancing sustainable solutions. Now, we've been around since 1994 and since have engaged in activities pertaining to education, communication, and research. Yeah, and each year we welcome around 50 master's students from all over the world now, with nearly 25 years of experience in education, we have built up a quite an impressive alumni network comprising professionals working in the sustainability field in both public and private sectors from more than 100 countries worldwide. So in the podcast, we'll talk about some of our education activities, uh, as well as the research that's conducted here at the Institute. Now, we have four research themes that guide our research here at the Institute. These themes are urban, policy, business, and consumption. With these four themes, we structure our research across the different sustainability areas. So that's a little bit about us, but we have some really exciting new features that we want to introduce for season two of the podcast. Sophie, why don't you tell us about some of these? Yeah, definitely. We do have some new fresh ideas for season two. Among other things, we will introduce a new recurring feature in every episode that we call the sustainability scoop which will sound like this. Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I think so too. So Stephen, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what this sustainability scoop is? Yeah, so I'm super excited about the sustainability scoop. In the podcast, we seek to make our research about sustainability tangible and actionable for you. And for this season, we want to try and do that even more. Obviously, we're all drowned in news and information about many of the sustainability challenges we face. And we want to make a clearer link between things that are happening in society and the research that's conducted here at our institute. So the sustainability scoop is a new feature where we will point towards current sustainability discussions that are happening in society and the media in order to further connect a topic of interest to the podcast to ongoing societal debates. 
I am very excited to kick this feature off, but before we can present the sustainability scoop of the month, we must of course present the topic of the day. And today in this episode, we will turn our focus towards the value of interdisciplinary education to address our grand sustainability challenges. Because let's face it, our sustainability challenges are complex. From climate change to ocean acidification, from nutrient depletion to deforestation, and so on. Advancing solutions to address these sustainability challenges cannot only rely on knowledge and skills from any single sector or discipline. Instead, solutions require knowledge in environmental science, earth systems dynamics, information and communication technologies, engineering, as well as cultural analysis, psychology and other social sciences, and a range of other disciplines, of course. Partnerships and collaboration has never been so called for and so urgent. Goal number 17, my favorite of the sustainable development goals. I agree, partnerships and collaboration are super important. And you know, Sophie, I want to tell you a story about why I'm happy we're covering this concept today in the podcast. So when I graduated from my master's program, which was interdisciplinary, I found myself faced with the difficulty of communicating the value of my education to employers. I often experienced that employers, they, they valued specialized skills or expert knowledge, Um, more than someone like me who'd been trained at systems thinking with the ability to maybe understand and communicate across different business functions. And while I saw the value in that, I had to work really hard to try and communicate that to future employers. So in this way, by covering this in today's episode, we want to call on businesses, government and academia to be aware of the value and the need, yes, of course, the need of interdisciplinary education to address our sustainability challenges. We want to support students in their ability to articulate the value of their education to future employers. And finally, we want to pose the question to educators in higher education. What is your role in supporting interdisciplinary learning and assisting students in understanding its value? Since 2007, Lund University has organized a university-wide conference on educational development in higher education. The conference is hosted every other year at the direction of the Lund University Education Board, with the role of hosting the conference rotating among the faculties here at Lund University. On November 7th of this year, the conference will once again take place here at Lund University. This year's conference is hosted by the Faculty of Social Sciences, the Division for Higher Education Development, known as AHU, as well as our department, the IIIEE. The conference is free and open to any interested participants at Lund University and beyond. Registration is now open and will remain open until October 22nd. You can find more info at our website www.iiiee.lu.se/podcast. Now this episode is unique in that we have three audiences in mind. First, as always, we want to turn towards you, our listeners, who are interested in sustainability solutions in their everyday life. Secondly, for this particular episode, we want to turn to those who are employing or recruiting tomorrow sustainability professionals and encourage you to consider how students or applicants with an interdisciplinary background can support your business functions. Thirdly, we want to support our students here at the Institute, as well as in other interdisciplinary master's programs, to be able to reflect on and articulate the value of their interdisciplinary education. 
And lastly, we intend to share this episode with participants of the Lund University Teaching and Learning Conference hosted on November 7th. Sophie and I will prepare a seminar in which we'll invite participants to reflect on the questions that we'll discuss in today's episode. But no matter who you are, we are happy that you're tuning in. Right, now it's time to get into the topic. You ready, Stephen? I'm ready. Good. And as always, we need to start with some definitions. If we are to talk about the benefits of interdisciplinary education, we need to make sure that we are all on the same page when we talk about interdisciplinarity. And like so many of the concepts that we have discussed in this podcast thus far, there is no consistent definition of interdisciplinarity. I guess that doesn't surprise many of our listeners from the, <laughs> some of the episodes we've covered thus far. Um, but we'll introduce three terms to help distinguish interdisciplinary research and education. These terms are multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary, and transdisciplinary. And in this way, you can think of these terms as increasing interaction among and across the disciplines. So let's walk through them one by one. Sure. If we take the first, multidisciplinary describes the juxtaposition of disciplines in parallel of each other, that means that they have a low level of interaction. They're running in parallel. So a concrete example in the classroom may be two readings provided to students about climate change from specific disciplines. For example, it could be environmental science and psychology. Students may make connections between the readings, but there is no formal integration or discussion that proposes it. Now, interdisciplinary represents one level above multidisciplinary. Interdisciplinary research and education then describes integration and collaboration between disciplines, and often it's towards a common goal or a common project. Now, of course, I can think of many examples, but an easy example for myself in conceptualizing interdisciplinarity is to consider an interdisciplinary teaching team with educators integrating their disciplinary perspectives towards common learning outcomes for students. All right, and then the third and the final term to describe this was transdisciplinary. This describes the transgression of traditional disciplinary boundaries, often involving collaboration with societal actors. So in the classroom, transdisciplinarity may see students working with a real-world client on a problem or product related to the course learning outcomes. So one way that helps me to think of these terms in sequence, to consider multidisciplinary describing interaction, interdisciplinary describing integration, and transdisciplinary describing transgression. Interaction, integration, transgression. Each building upon each other. And that jingle means that it's now time for the sustainability scoop of the month. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it, Sophie. Yeah. So the sustainability scoop that we found that relates very well to today's topic is called Unique Polar Expedition Bound for Northern Greenland. Sounds exciting. Yeah. So what's unique about this uh, particular story then? Well, for one thing, it was a group of scientists that set out on an icebreaker, this is a massive boat that was called Odin, to go to a very remote and inaccessible glacier in the northwestern part of Greenland. It is the first time that a marine expedition ventures to this part of the area due to its sheer inaccessibility with, you know, large amount of ice being in the way and all these such of things. Now, here comes the interdisciplinary part. The purpose of the expedition, uh, which ended actually just two weeks ago, 
was to seek to understand how climate change is affecting the melting of glaciers in this part of the world, but also to investigate how ocean currents are accelerating this melting and how the melting of glaciers may affect the carbon cycle and ocean acidification. Now, in order to answer these questions, a team of interdisciplinary researchers formed the crew of the expedition. Together, they represent the disciplines such as atmospheric chemistry, physics, biology, oceanography, marine geology, ecology, climatology, geophysics, geochemistry, genetics, and archaeology. I mean, you hear it here. We have a team of researchers representing so many different disciplines to come together on a boat in the Arctic to try to answer shared research question. Yeah, it sounds like quite an interdisciplinary and diverse team coming together to, to research these challenges. Yeah, so this closes uh, the sustainability scoop. We think it's a quite telling example from today's news about the need for interdisciplinary approaches to address sustainability challenges. So if you're interested in finding out more about this month's sustainability scoop, you can subscribe to our newsletter and we'll send out more information about this month's sustainability scoop. You can subscribe on our website at www.iiee.lu.se backslash podcast. Now, if I were to just reflect on the sustainability scoop of the month, I, uh, I think it sounds like quite an adventure that uh, this team took out into... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, can you imagine, Sophie, with such a diverse group of people representing such different disciplines? I wonder like, what their conversations were like uh, over dinner or... Yeah, on a boat in the Arctic. That's got to be quite something. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it also shows why interdisciplinarity is so important. In order to address these complex challenges that we're facing, it's important to have a team that's able to uh, collaborate and work together to solve a problem. And in that way, interdisciplinarity is also one of the cornerstones of our institute. And we describe our education as interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary. Education is something that's important to Sophie and I, and we thought it would be worthwhile to sit down with our director of studies to share a little bit more with you about our approach to interdisciplinary education. Hi, my name is Beatrice Kohn. I work as the director for first and second cycle education at the IIIW. Can you introduce which kinds of programs do we host here at this house? Okay, so we have two master's programs that we run. One is entirely held here in the house. It's called the Master of Environment Management and Policy. The second program is called MASPOM, Master of Environmental Science, Policy and Management. Uh, and that program is a joint Erasmus Mundus program. All right, but so what these two programs then have in common is that they focus on uh, sustainability issues yes. and they're both interdisciplinary. Yes. So why do you think we need interdisciplinary education, especially in the case of uh, solving sustainability problems? Well, if you look at descriptions of people that have careers as sustainability professionals, or if you want to call them impact professionals, and if you look at what they do, but also what they need to know or what skills they need to have in order to be effective at their jobs, um, they kind of very, very nicely aligns with what we think of as interdisciplinarity. So, uh, yes, you need to have a fundamental understanding of several disciplinary fields. Uh, you need to have a fundamental understanding of uh, environmental science and the challenges that we are facing today. 
Uh, but you also need to have a fundamental understanding of uh, the political system and how that operates. And you need to have a fundamental understanding of uh, business and how business works and how organizations work. And we also argue that it's good to have a technical understanding to be able to speak technology and all of these things. And so having that possibility not only to understand these different fields, but to be able to synthesize them and explain them to others, to be able to talk to people from different fields and understand what they're saying, but also communicate to them is such a fundamental part of being a sustainability professional. And and that kind of makes me think that the only way to work in this field is to have an interdisciplinary education. So it sounds like this is, of course, not only relevant to the field of sustainability, but also highly applicable to other sectors and fields as well. I would say yes. I, I can imagine lots of fields where this would be meaningful. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, when you look at, for instance, what Lund University is saying about yeah, the future of education, but also other universities around the world and in general, like when we look at the type of funding that is being given to research and how much they emphasize that idea of collaboration and interdisciplinarity or at least you know joint programs or joint projects where different disciplines come come in it seems that others kind of agree with that idea as well um and yes it's certainly super relevant for sustainability professionals um, but also across other fields uh, there's much to be said for interdisciplinarity what courses do you teach then here at the Institute? Yes. At the beginning of the program, I teach the fundamentals of business. And then at the end of the program, I teach in the courses that relates to research design and methodology. And so I guess in the first program or in my first course, the business course, which is a little bit about disciplinary grounding, I think the one thing that we do there uh, that kind of ties into uh, interdisciplinarity is that we talk about why this is relevant also if you have have no intention whatsoever to work in a business organization. And so when we discuss kind of theories that relates to understand how businesses work, we kind of also every now and then take that step back and, and discuss how is this meaningful from a societal perspective. I would like to bring up another thing. Yeah, um, please. Because um, there's also that element of uh, helping students see the value and for that, I really do think that the practical projects are such an important part. So all of our students will do projects for external clients in, in a couple of different courses. We also have that opportunity to take an internship course. We just um, a few weeks ago had uh, students coming back presenting their reflections um, from their internships. And it became so clear that this is where it really hits home, how important it was for them to have all of these courses in all of these different disciplines with them into that process. And we actually asked them, so we asked them to relate their internship experience back to courses that they have taken here. And many of them says, yes, we ticked off almost all of them in this internship experience. And to me, so one of the ways of, of, of driving this message home is really to allow them to experience um, the reality of what it's like to work uh, with these issues. So we've talked a bit about the benefits of uh, interdisciplinary education. What would you say are the main challenges connected to conducting interdisciplinary education? Well, there is that element of 
some degree of superficiality that I cannot go deep into every topic and and that kind of brings a little bit of a nervousness am I qualified enough in this field um, uh, and it's definitely hard from a kind of program design perspective because there's so much that you could bring into a program and you have to then figure out where is where is the realistic balance how much do we need to focus on on each topic in order to give them that reasonable disciplinary grounding and i again i relating back to the internship experience i think that was to a number of students kind of reassuring that they might have had that nervousness before going out feeling like have i have i learned enough uh, and then coming back feeling like yes it was actually enough because I, it gave me that starting platform that allows me to then look for more information related to the specific project or task i was working on but yeah certainly a key challenge is the fact that we we cannot go as deeply as uh, as you can if you only study economics um, I mean, because th then also, if you study economics as a master's level, you would have had a bachelor in economics and you build on that. And coming to an interdisciplinary master's program, you, you know, you have people who've never studied economics. But, but so how do we cater to them all so it becomes a meaningful learning experience? for everyone, um, both the ones that are totally new to a, a, um, a topic and people who might have studied it for three three years before coming here. And I think one, of, one way of getting around it is to talk about the challenges of interdisciplinarity with students and, and so that teachers can be open, that no one expects you to have you know, a super high level of expertise in every area, you can still gain use, you can still benefit from from these different fields without being that super expert. I mean, another challenge of interdisciplinarity is that within disciplinary fields to a higher or lower degree, you have kind of agreed upon what is what are reasonable questions to ask what are reasonable or what do we believe to be appropriate methods to use in order to answer those questions but when you venture into interdisciplinarity uh, you will find that in different disciplines our ideas of, of what is relevant research questions and what are relevant research designs differ um, and so as a student and as a teacher, you then have to negotiate those waters and rather than just relying on what others have kind of built up as a paradigm of how we should work, uh, you have to more rely on your own kind of logic and the ability to argue for your choices. And that obviously goes both for teachers and for students. What would you say to uh, a future student who's considering uh, to apply for an interdisciplinary program? Um, I say you should apply <laughs> to one of our master's programs. Um, uh, we sometimes talk about students as T students. Um, so if you think of yourself as, I have, a, I have a background in something. I've studied business or I've studied environmental science or I've studied policy. And then if you add on top of that an interdisciplinary master's program, um, you get both. You get a strong disciplinary grounding in one field, 
profession, if you will. Um, and then on top of that, you add this interdisciplinary perspective that helps you leverage what you know from the past, but also to build on that with all these different perspectives that come in. And I think it's a very nice preparation for life afterwards. So right now, Sophie and I, together with another colleague, are teaching in a course in our department's master's program. The course is called Environmental Science and the Anthropocene, and it's interdisciplinary as we strive to integrate knowledge about environmental science, geology, and social sciences to consider the impact that we, humans, have on ecological systems. The guiding inspiration for this course and the course design and for the students in the learning are the intended learning outcomes, or the ILOs. We think of these ILOs as the goals that students shall seek to demonstrate throughout the course, and this guides the design of our teaching and learning activities, as well as forms of assessment. In Sweden, the Higher Education Ordinance, or Högskoleförordningen, prescribes three levels of learning outcomes. These are 1. Knowledge and understanding, 2. Competencies and skills, and 3. Judgment and approach. In Sweden, all programs and all courses have intended learning outcomes, but they rely on them to varying extents. Here at the Institute, we've just spent the better part of three years renewing our master's programs and have spent a considerable time thinking about our ILOs as well as how they relate to interdisciplinary education. Now, there has been an effort to describe interdisciplinary learning outcomes. In research conducted by Borrego and Neustander, which has inspired the way that I think about interdisciplinary ILOs, they reviewed learning outcomes of interdisciplinary graduate programs in the United States, and their research proposed five categories of intended learning outcomes of interdisciplinary education. These include disciplinary grounding, integration, teamwork, communication, and critical awareness. We'd like to use these five categories to describe the features broadly of interdisciplinary education. And instead of us describing them to you, we thought we would ask our students about how they see their education in relation to these five features of interdisciplinary education. We sat down with several students from our master's programs at the IIIEE. The students are at different points of their studies. Some are just beginning, while others are wrapping up their thesis. So let's roll the conversation with them. My name is Mariana. I am a first year master's student and I am from Mexico. My background is in international development and I studied uh, psychology and political science prior to coming. My name is Rumbi. I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm also first year as a master's student. Um, my educational background is in geography, specifically environment and sustainability. My name is Ruhi. I'm from Singapore and uh, I'm in the second year of this program. My background is in environmental science as well as sustainability consulting. Hi, my name is Romy. I'm from Germany and my background is in geography as well. And I'm in the second year of this EMP master's program. Hi, my name is John. Um, I'm from the UK. My background is actually also in geography, um, but I also spent some time working for the financial sector. And I'm nearing the end of my course now, um, finishing my thesis. So one thing that we wanted to know from you, the students, is why did you choose an interdisciplinary master's program uh, like the Environmental Management Policy Program here at the Institute? 
I'll start. Um, uh, so for me, it was really helpful to transition from my previous uh, working career um, to something afterwards. So I originally studied geography, then I moved into the finance sector, as I mentioned. And so this interdisciplinary masters allowed me to transition. As I said, I worked in international development for about five years. And what I learned being there is that the teams that we used to work on, you get people that really came from all different backgrounds. And usually the people that I admired the most professionally were people that had the capacity to move across different angles. Um, you know, they could understand environment, but also evaluation and diplomacy. Does that resonate with anybody else, this idea of having a breadth of experience to be able to communicate and work with different functions? And, and yes, I think that's why I picked this program as well. Um, I found that strictly scientific or strictly business degrees were very narrow and too focused on only looking at one part of the problem. And I was looking specifically for something that encompassed various different sides in human systems as well as natural systems. Yeah, not only in having professional conversations, but also understanding yourself. So as I'm coming from a geography background, we're kind of used to connect different areas, social science as well, natural science. And then having in this specific master here, the perspective of the business side as well as the legislation side as well, that I found really interesting, to, especially to approach the sustainability challenges. So as students now in an interdisciplinary program at these different phases, which are the challenges that you have encountered? Because of the nature of this program, there are a lot of modules where we are learning something new that we've not been exposed to before. And that's been the biggest challenge, I think. But a benefit of this program is that when you're not an expert in something, you likely have classmates who are. And so it facilitates this learning process between your peers as well, not just from the teacher. Building on that, the aspect of your different course mates bringing different um, skills, it can be looked at in a couple of ways. So with regards to your own skills, you're coming in saying, this is, this is what I know, this is my thing, I'm sustainable finance, whatever. And you're testing that with 27 other people and you're realising, oh, this is what I do know and this is what maybe I don't. And importantly, the communication of that. The result of that is you kind of understand everything and you understand your topic more and you haven't even learned anything. It's just, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's just, you're just sort of uncovering all the stones and, and understanding what it is you know and presenting it in a really distinct way to other people as well. And there are more benefits and strengths to it, really. Yeah. 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 But I think the, the challenge is still connecting it. Yeah. Because if you come out of this course with lots of disconnected knowledge that defeats the purpose of an interdisciplinary program. You need to have it so it weaves together. Sustainability is super helpful for that because it crosses everything. So previously in the episode, we've introduced five features of interdisciplinary education. Those were disciplinary grounding, uh, knowledge integration, teamwork, communication, and critical awareness or critical thinking. What are some of the examples of exercises that you've done in the classroom that have kind of exemplified this interdisciplinary learning? For me, I think like any exercise that involves more than one person, I found immensely valuable. I remember one time we were learning about nutrient cycles, and I keep going back to that because every other time I've learned about nutrient cycles, there was someone talking at me, but this time we were told to just get up on the board and draw them. 
and we had to use our memory and we had to like become one brain and to figure it out together some people knew it very well some people didn't and then someone else would remember something that you had forgotten so it just felt like that was such a great teaching moment for me I learned that sometimes it's better to learn in a group yeah I think I agree um I find that I've enjoyed the group discussions the most. Um, for example, if we're building off on a topic that we've discussed in class, 20 minutes later we find that we're on a completely different trajectory, just discussing <laughs> completely unrelated things to what we, we started out with. And I really enjoy that space that's given to us here, uh, the enriching atmosphere you get when you learn from each other. So what would you then like to say to a future employer, for example? How would you introduce or present the education that, or the skills that you can provide to this employer? Uh, one thing I'm definitely going to be taking away from this program is a developed sense of cooperation to produce work by myself but also produce work with others. I actually have practical experience um, creating deliverables that I've created with other people. So I feel like that is like a tangible skill I'll definitely be able to sell on later. Um, for me, there are basic components of this course which have kind of radicalized or changed my outlook and the way I see things is the, the LCA, the Life Cycle Assessment side of things, which is just like this rabbit hole of, of understanding once you really grip it. Um, and then the systems thinking stuff, which is very relatable to any, any work in sustainability, I think. Perhaps I'm coming from someone that just started last month, right? <laughs> so by the end of these two years, I would like to be able to demonstrate to my potential employer that I have a sound, like both like technical and conceptual understanding of the field. I mean, being able to demonstrate that not only you understand, but you can also do. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters to get that job. Yeah. What. I would say I already can take away from this is the ability to change perspectives and to talk to different people in different ways because I have a better understanding how they think and what kind of language they use. You can enter a conversation at least and ask the right questions and that allows for more understanding. Um, just building on that, I think I really agree that my key takeaway from this is just the understanding that no matter how many perspectives I try and include in my thoughts and no matter how much knowledge I think I've gained, there's always going to be some new way of looking at this problem that I may not have considered. And no matter which stakeholders I talk to or try and include in any consultation process, there's always going to be some that will be left out. And just the understanding that you don't ever have the complete picture, I think that will be really important for me. This all resonates with me both as an educator but as a former student as well. I, um, I want to turn it back again to your perspective as students. What role does the educator have in supporting you? Is there anything specifically that you think that uh, is needed to support you in your learning in an interdisciplinary program that's different maybe than a disciplinary program? I think um, one of the things I've always valued in an instructor is patience because I might be seeing what they're teaching me for the first time. So if I feel comfortable coming to them and asking them to revi revise something for me or um, having a course structure or rather method of teaching that allows students to ask for more clarification when it's needed. I'd say that's the primary thing I see in good instructors is that they're flexible and they give students the opportunity to ask for clarification. I would say to see educators pushing students to really take advantage of the backgrounds of the interdisciplinary that happens just by having 25 people from different backgrounds. And so then when we're turning in a project and it starts to look like groupthink, 
the educator goes back and say, no, you guys can do better. Uh, like show me that you can push your own limits because that's what we should be doing outside in the real world. And so hopefully getting used to not just getting comfortable and you know, becoming one group, but seeing educators really pushing those boundaries, although it may be frustrating, um, I would love to see that. Good. What the educator should um, guide or offer is up to date with the theory and the um, discipline, but also go further, because at least with climate change and sustainability, it feels like we're always catching up anyway, but there's been moments where we are just a bit too far behind and we need to be thinking about system destruction and creation almost, as opposed to iterations. And so there's elements of this battle, just have that mindset of trying to be ahead of the game. So it's pushing the um, students in a way which they're ready for and prepared for and actually are almost more psychologically geared towards pushing those boundaries and getting more out of them. What do you what do you think is your responsibility then as a student in an interdisciplinary program? To put myself out there. Yeah. I think we have to be brave and not fall in the comfort of what you know uh, but put yourself out there and focus on what you don't know. I think it's also important to stay open and question your own views because you will be confronted with different views and to have active discussions you also need to yeah, question your own. So my favorite word that I've ever encountered in uh, any pedagogy course that I've taken is metacognition. It can apply to many different contexts but in the context of the classroom metacognition refers to one's own awareness of how they learn. As an educator, it's our job to support students' metacognition, their own awareness of how they learn. But I'm wondering, does that word resonate with you at all? How do you think, as students, you develop metacognition? It's funny that you say that phrase, because like my high school, I did the International Baccalaureate, and they're very big on learning how to learn. Um, <laughs> so I think just having the presence of mind, observing your own patterns as a learner, um, when have I performed the best? When have I felt the best? You know, like balancing performance and how you're doing as a person. It's important to know what techniques you need or rather what tools you need. So if you understand what you need to learn, you know how to ask for it. Is there anything else you'd want to share about your reflections on interdisciplinary education here at the Institute? It's exciting. Yeah. You get to do so many things. <laughs> restructured the program like in the last year and we are the first ones who went out to internships this summer and that really showed yeah we're doing the right things in reality this mm. helps <laughs> so yeah good sign that's great mm. um yeah I, i'm me coming to the end i definitely feel like i have been educated <laughs> um, <laughs> been, i'm exhausted but in a good way i think so it's, it's because you go through so many things you learn so much and there is actually a bit of a lag as well with that it's been such a fast pace. I'm sure there'll be dividends to be paid down the road as well, so I'm looking forward to that coming. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, Romy, Rui, Rumi, Mariana, John, thank you so much for sitting down with us and sharing your thoughts and experiences. It's truly valuable. How do you teach critical awareness? one of the features of interdisciplinary education. And, harder yet, how do you assess critical awareness? 
ultimately, these are struggles that Stephen and I have in our own teaching. So we've certainly thought about this in the context of our course, and as we were designing the quiz that the students just recently completed, I had a, a phone call with an old friend from high school, and he's since gone on to complete law school. And I asked him, you know, in his experience at law school, how did the law program assess critical thinking? And uh, he shared his experience and that oftentimes in the classroom setting, there were questions that were posed to students in which they were asked to think critically. But when it came time to assess students, it was often questions that were um, close-ended that just required uh, memorization of content. And so Sophia and I thought really hard, how do we actually ask students critical thinking questions in the context of the quiz? Now, Sophie, you just finished grading the quiz, and we certainly tried to, to ask some of questions that got to this notion of critical thinking. How do you think we did? I think it was a good attempt, but I think there's still so much more that we could do. From the experience I just had now with grading the exams, it seems as if, you know, when you have open-ended questions, there are as many answers as there are students. And when you have an open-ended question and a critical reflection question, there's not always a grading rubric you can use to assist you in the grading, but rather you need to assess the answers individually. Uh, and that, of course, is time demanding. And it can also become quite tricky to do it objectively and assessing whether one is more critical than the other. But how then can you do that? And this is, you know, you can just hear that there is no answer to this. No, of course. And maybe the educators that are listening to this month's episode can hear themselves in, in the stories that you're sharing. I know that there's often a trade-off between the time that we have to either develop a quiz or to grade a quiz, and then, of course, the contributions from students. But in the end, however, it's not about us as educators, it's about the students. So therefore, we want to facilitate students' ability to reflect actively on what they are learning and how they were learning. Yeah, we believe that the educator does have a role to support students in developing their own awareness of their learning. This includes the value of interdisciplinary education. One approach we have taken to support students in this, to develop their critical awareness, is to implement the learning journal. Stephen, what is this? Yeah, so if you remember my favorite word, right? Metacognition. I think the learning journal really supports students in developing their own awareness of how they learn and the content that they're learning and making those linkages to other aspects of society. And oftentimes this is done through prompts that we as the educators provide, but also that students have some responsibility to go ahead and make those linkages and connections. Uh, but having that tool like the learning journal there really has been valuable, at least in Sophia and I's classroom. Yeah, and I want to share one more thing that helps Stephen and I in supporting students' interdisciplinary education, and that is to consider the different levels of interdisciplinarity in the classroom. These levels are interdisciplinary students, interdisciplinary teaching teams, and at the course and program levels. First, we should recognize and remember that our students are interdisciplinary. They have different educational and or professional experiences and expertises, and they come with different cultural backgrounds. Students can learn from each other when educators are thoughtful in how they facilitate classroom activities, just like you just heard from our students. Second, we acknowledge that teacher teams can also be interdisciplinary, we each provide different perspectives and insights from academic and professional disciplines that can support students' interdisciplinary learning. So the next two levels that we want to consider are those at the course and program level. 
Now we think of courses as interdisciplinary in the way that they're designed. Courses can integrate knowledge between disciplines, which may be formalized in the course intended learning outcomes. These learning outcomes may also build on the five features of interdisciplinary education we discussed previously, these being disciplinary grounding, integration, teamwork, communication, and critical awareness. Finally, we can also think of programs as being interdisciplinary to the extent that they integrate disciplinary perspectives across the courses. In the Environmental Management and Policy Program here at our institute, there's an effort to integrate disciplinary perspectives from economics, environmental science, management and strategy, product design, business models, among other more niche disciplines. In this episode, we have proposed several ways to consider interdisciplinary education from the extent of interaction between disciplines, the features of interdisciplinary education, as well as the levels of interdisciplinarity, including students, educators, courses, and programs. We have sought to provide some inspiration to other educators based on our own experience, but we think greater discussion is needed around approaches to support interdisciplinary education, as well as to support students to understand the value of interdisciplinary education. So with the learning journal, we often encourage students to pause and reflect on content or their approach to learning. And at the same time, we want to encourage you, our listeners, to take the time to pause and reflect on these questions. What do you think is the value of interdisciplinary education in order to address our sustainability challenges? As employers, is there space in your team for interdisciplinary team members? And as educators, how do we see our role in supporting interdisciplinary education? What approaches are valuable to realize interdisciplinary learning? And what is our role to support students in seeing the value of their education? Yeah, these are important questions, and we hope to discuss them and more at the Lund University Teaching and Learning Conference on November 7th. So this brings us to the closing of this episode. Yeah, it does. And with the closing of all of our episodes, Sophie and I want to convey um, what is our takeaway message and what do we hope you as a listener has taken away from this month's episode of the podcast. Sophie, do you want to go first? Yeah, I I am. I gotta say I'm really happy that we decided to discuss interdisciplinarity as the first theme of this semester because I think it really made me also more aware of the values of interdisciplinary education and research. Teamwork is crucial. It's true, and that's why it is my favorite uh, SDG, um, partnerships and collaboration. It's so important to work collaboratively across disciplines to address our complex sustainability challenges. And in this way, think of these challenges as systems that are interrelated and interconnected. And that is indeed why we need disciplinary knowledge uh, to come together and to solve these challenges. Okay, so then what do you want listeners to take away, Stephen? So if you recall the story that I shared at the beginning of the podcast about maybe my own struggles and being able to communicate the value of my interdisciplinary education, I want to dedicate this episode to our current students as well as the alumni here at the Institute. And really, for that matter, any student that has engaged in interdisciplinary education. My hope is that 
our students and you all can see the value of interdisciplinary education and addressing these complex and interconnected sustainability challenges, and that maybe you feel a little bit more confident being able to articulate this value to future employers. Yeah, let's all be researchers on this metaphorical boat in the Arctic, where we come together to solve shared problems. I like it. Great. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, thanks to all of you who've listened to this month's episode. And some special thanks to our students who joined us for a group discussion. So a big thanks to Jonathan, Ruhi, Romy, Rumbi, and Mariana. And of course, we want to thank Bea, our Director of Studies here at the IIIEE. We have two special thank yous for those working behind the scenes, and that includes Jessica and Johanna. Thanks so much for your support in making this month's episode. We look forward to discussing with those participants at the Lund University Teaching and Learning Conference in November. But for the rest of you, we will be back next month with another episode of Advancing Sustainable Solutions. It's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.